Hello, my friends. I hope today finds you happy and well in a world that's up and down at the moment. Hello, Lana. Hello, Nigel. <laughs> that was like the start of a Disney movie. Yeah. Have I got you into a hypnotic <laughs> trance? Yes. <That's> good. <laughs> good. I'm not uh, sure where this is going, uh, but I'm glad it's recorded. I'll tell you where it's going. It's getting in a um, radio coach for you two. That's where this is going. Why do you feel the need to start every um, episode with pointing out how bad we are at this? Um, because I can't drop any more hints. <laughs> because it's an unhealthy partnership. Yes. Oh, oh good. good segue. Yeah. Excellent. You're no, you're both you. so wonderful. Now, <laughs> let's talk about some of the styles in leadership but in terms of partnership. So this is something that's come up um, over the last few months, if not last few lifetimes. When you go into a partnership with somebody, now that might be your direct business partner, that might be your lover, that might be your personal relationship, that might be your um, whatever, but every partnership and relationship, yes, Nigel, I said the word <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to kill your flow, but can we make an agreement never to use the word lover on the podcast again? So we're talking about styles and people not knowing when they need to shut up and when they <laughs> need to listen. So Nigel, thank you for showing that. And no, guess what? I can say whatever I want. But what we're talking about is styles. So nice little thing there, you know, because it was the style thing and all that. It's really good. Um, what happens? Well, it's not what happens because this is inevitable. You go into a partnership with someone and they have a different way of viewing the world but also a different style in the way that they manage themselves, employees, the way they run a business, all these sort of things. And we need to talk about this because it's something personally that you need to adjust to or have a strategy around coping because it is, it is, and I'll use the word, having a new lover, Nigel. <laughs> oh, God, you made it worse by yeah. putting my name next to it. <laughs> when... When you're in a relationship that's going through what's called the honeymoon period, which can be the same in a business relationship or a personal relationship, everything's great. And then the thing that you found so exciting about that person is the thing you eventually want to strangle them for, right? So you're out of the honeymoon period and you realize, Lana, this is not about you directly, <laughs> even though take on board everything <laughs> I'm saying. Um, but these are things happen. It's just normal human interaction. But we've got to work out, well, how do you deal with that um, in a business and we'll, we'll start off with Lana maybe we'll talk about personal sorry in a business relationship but then really how do you adjust with staff because we've had a few companies together that have attracted completely different demographics of people that have worked for us and we've had to adjust our styles but in the fullness of time we're probably thinking that we may have not have played that well that perhaps we shouldn't have adjusted our styles we should have just been what needed to be done as the owners at founders and leaders as opposed to trying to adjust to the type of people that were working for that type of company. Yeah, and for, for me personally, that comes back to the fact that I, I employed my first person when I was 23 and that first person was my best friend and then from that we employed a 19-year-old and it's really hard to separate a boss from friend not only when you're that age but when you start to build that sort of a company. Yeah, and, and it's pretty common, isn't it, to a lot of people start off by employing friends because it's safe. Come over, I give you a bit of money, can you, you know, you don't work for me for a few days, it's really fun, particularly when you're young. Yeah, and I think we, so we employed Kate, as you said, because she calmed me. That was one of her shining attributes was me as a 23-year-old not having a, a 
huge idea of how to run a business. And just in case Kate's listening, um, and she was really good That's at what she right. was doing. Yeah. Yeah. She had no background in social media. She no. was copy. She was journalistic. But her skill set aside, that was a, a huge thing that I could continue to do what I needed to do because she was there. And that yep. was a huge thing. But how can you be a boss to your best friend since kindergarten? And so for me, that definitely set my tone as a leader for that particular company. Yeah, I, I would say career until yeah. we've adjusted. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's um, in this now my new my new phase of leadership, my new journey. Uh, you I, mean working for me? Working for Tim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only joking. It's quite funny. Kate has just messaged me. That's hysterical. Um, <laughs> my, I have seen the ups and the downs of the, we'll call it the friend boss. Yep. And it did not allow me to make the decisions that I needed to make. Yeah, yeah. And I would say if you've listened to past podcasts, what, what is it that I pride myself on? I make decisions. Yep. And so I was able to learn that the friend boss, it, it cannot happen. The friend partnership, if you're at work, and you and I are actually quite good at this, Tim. When we're at work, we are not lovers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Lovers, Michael. <laughs> I like seeing you uncomfortable. That's going to be a new fun. thing for me. <laughs> um, We're we, not your mum and dad. Yeah, but anyone using the word, like, let's know, not get hung up on that. Anyway, um, at work we are we are business partners. We absolutely have got quite a good delineation there. I was previously unable to have that with my employees. Moving forward, having learnt the lessons, I have been able to put forward what my job is ahead of who I am as a person. So my job is to make the decisions, to get the job done. As a person, I am warm and I am loving and that still comes through but not at the detriment of making that decision. Yeah, and I think that sets people off, particularly when they start off like that and in the SME space it's common. And even if it's not your best friend who you've employed, think about your first employee that's still with the business that might not actually be – they're almost part of the furniture – they are part of the business. They've been there forever. That doesn't necessarily mean they're right to be there. And this is the hard bit with particularly SMEs is you've got to make emotional decisions. The emotion being not angry and getting rid of people around, is this actually the best person for this role for the business to move forward? A lot of people do not move forward in their businesses simply because they there's no way they'd get rid of old Bob or old Jenny because they've been here forever. And then you look around and go, yeah, but they're actually the problem. They were here 20 years ago when the business was you and them. Now we're at 20 people or 30 people and they've got a critical role and they're the problem. Mm. And it's not because they're bad people. It's literally they have not bought through a skill set that's needed at a 20 or 30 mm. that was at a two-person job. Yeah, and that's that's the growth of a partnership. That's you have to be able to have these discussions and these conversations about different skill sets, different styles, as you were saying at the start, what's going to serve the business to get it to the next iteration. Yeah, and let's talk about styles because um, styles is something that you have to or I believe you have to adjust to because if people approach things differently, it doesn't mean it's not right. It's just different to how you you would approach it. But at the end of the day, what are we caring most about? Is it the style at which someone delivers something or is it the outcome in which they've achieved? Because we have to ask the question is, what makes your style right? Yeah. Nigel and I have this conversation uh, 
quite frequently, (laughs) which can be um, pulling it back to the outcome. Different things can happen, good or bad, but if we can get that outcome, then how we got there is actually irrelevant. And I know it's something that Nigel and I are working on because we have quite a similar working style together in our partnership. And so it's being okay with other people's working styles as long as the outcome is achieved. Just because we would do it differently doesn't mean it's not right. <laughs> we had this conversation last night. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So what does that mean? Because as the a leader of a business or someone running a department or someone who's getting frustrated because you're looking around and um, I've got a client at the moment going through this that they've brought in a senior person who's a different style and the style is their high energy. This person is calm and measured and it's very difficult when you're a high intensity person like I'm the same if I look at someone who's calm and measured I find that really oh that's good they're calm and measured and then week two it's like oh my god I'm gonna just like why are they so low energy but it's not that they're not delivering it's just the way they deliver is in a calm and measured way um, balancing that as someone who owns or runs a business is how are you going to deal with that? Because we've we got to make sure that we I should bring this up. It's not that they're not a values fit in your company. That's not what we're talking about. We're not making, you know, square peg into round hole type decisions. It's about in a stylistic way or in a management approach way, how are you going to cope with people who don't behave in the same way as you? Because most people try to and that is small thinking. How I was able to get over that my perception and that's a very, I would say, very ego-driven thing. My way is right and everyone else who's not my way is wrong. Yep. Uh, I listen I listen to a podcast. Um, I was listening to the head of recruitment for Netflix. Yep. And they said they were talking about culture fit and hiring for culture. Yep. And the idea is that culture is the person that you want to go out and have the beer with. Netflix actually defines culture as the person who operates within the business in a same style so at the end of the day you would like to have a beer with them. And what they meant by that was if your business, regardless of if you're high energy or low energy, is results driven and always looking for the next opportunity, if you hire someone who is results driven and always looking for the next opportunity, at the end of the day that's when you're going to want to have a beer with them because you have similar working styles, similar values. And it means that your personal um, styles, I guess, doesn't get in the way of, but no, we, we did it in a similar fashion. We got to a similar result and I'm not feeling frustrated or like I'm doing something wrong. Or you're, You uh, connect over the attitude towards success and achievement, not I need a friend, which is SME 101 problem. Mm-hmm. I work so much in my business, I better start being friendly to my employees because I basically don't see anyone else. Yeah, and we are quite lucky that we have great employees that we are friendly with. Yeah, the irony, I've got my wife and best mate sitting in the room, but (laughs) just ignore that. (laughs) Adore the people, the consultants, but it is this idea of as long as the style is grounded in the same principle, it doesn't matter, as you say, if you're high energy or low energy, are you results driven and do you always look for the next opportunity? If the answer is yes, the style can be, it, it doesn't grate on you or it doesn't make you think that there's something wrong, but you have to look past the style to that actual, the actual process that you need to happen. And that's when you can start to become that partnership of equality. Yeah. And if you're 
building a business of any sort of substantial size, you might not know half your employees, if not most of them. It's the dream. Yeah. But <laughs> this is the thing with, with particularly in SMEs, they're spending so much time going through a recruitment process to bring people, which is important when you're small because you don't want to bring in, in such a small team, you need people that are going to perform and there is an element of support there. But that's something that has to evolve because eventually you won't know everyone that comes into your business and you're not bonding with them as a friendship. If you're looking for friends in your business, you're in the wrong game because you're going to have a very difficult business to um, grow quickly. And it's not that there hasn't been groups of friends that have started businesses and done really well. I'm not talking about this. It's the average person who's got a small team and they're trying to be friendly with everyone. And they, the reason they don't do anything different is because they've probably never had a real boss. So a lot of these people started with they were friendly with my boss and then they ran their own business and they're doing the same thing. And then you go, well, how successful was your last boss? And, oh, not really. And, well, you're replicating a, you're replicating a behavior that didn't serve that person if that's the goal you want to get to. So if your goal is to just run a small team, um, you know, just a common one that pops into my head is the hairdresser. A lot of these hairdressers you see that are just small teams that have known each other, people have been there for many years and they're acting like friends. But the reason that can work in hairdressing salons that are set up the right way is because it's actually separate hairdressers renting a chair out. So they're actually their own business owners trying to also run their own business you're basically becoming a landlord of the environment so it, sometimes when you've got a business model that's set up that can work but if you're someone who's running a normal type of business you're not bringing in friends to the business and this is where that whole culture bit gets lost people are looking to hire people they want to be friends with yeah. don't hire people you want to be friends with because at the end of the day if you're selling the business you're selling your friends yes hire people that you respect that's been the biggest learning that I've had is, and I think I, I've had this discussion with one of the team actually, I said, even if we are never friends, you and I respect each other on these levels. And now thankfully we are friends, so that's happy days. But yeah. to start from a level of respect, respecting work ethic or style or thought process. Yeah, or how do our styles combine to get a better team result, not who's right, who's wrong. It's mm. what could we do to get the most out of each other because our focus is the actual way we perform in this partnership, Absolutely. not um, who's right or wrong because that's ignorance. Yes. So then the flip side of this because we've spoken the friend, what about the hands-off? And this is one that I'm, I have no authority on because I've, I've never been good at it. The hands-off boss, the hands-off partner, not my problem. Well, it's uh, in terms of the person who owns the business or the person that might be in a partnership that doesn't want to have a hands-on role in the daily operations? Well, I, I'm looking at this, that we've spoken about that friend boss. The partnership with the employees is friend. Yep. What about the people listening who might be the hands-off boss? The one that says, well, I've hired a person to do the job. I'm going to chuff off and leave. But what's... Yeah. which is... Which is exactly what you want to be doing. You want to keep removing yourself until you become redundant in your business unless you love it and you want to do it because you're getting a personal uplift from it. But generally, if you're someone who's hired a senior person to run your business, so that could be a CEO, that could be a GM, that could be a team leader, whatever whatever you, you're getting in there, it is how do I manage that person? Because basically you're putting a barrier in between teams and you from the business because you're working on higher picture stuff or you're 
semi-retiring, whatever it is. So the, the most common thing is how are you managing that person and what are your expectations? So it's like any sort of partnership is, is the person clear on what you expect? Yeah. Because I'm allowed to be hands-off and my senior people have to run it but they don't get to run it at free will. They can run it in their own style. They can have their own ideas and I encourage it but you need to deliver me this. If I get this delivered, I'm hands-off. If you need me to be hands-on, the first question I have to ask myself is, so where is your weakness or what are you doing that you're not capable of doing and should you actually be the senior person if I feel that's outside or something you should be doing as that role as opposed to still needing me for. So the hands-off boss needs to communicate expectations? Clarity and expectation and clarity on deliverables and then how we're going to problem solve if there's something that comes up because it's such a senior role or, or such a senior position for you in your business that you can't be unclear nor can you give someone who's new to the business total rope. You have to earn rope. You have to earn that that respect from not only yourself, from the people. A lot of people come and go, I hired you, go do it. And that's really disrespecting all the work you've been doing over the years because you're just thinking that someone can pop in and suddenly take over and run. It's going to be a whole period of integration. And it, and you need to be clear if you've never had that role of what do you expect from that role? And if you don't know, well, that's what you have to find out. Lovely. Yeah. Mm, so in terms of frustration around styles, I think that's probably the, the theme of the week, which is, where am I not getting the most out of people within my business, clients within my business? Because remember, client style is also something that we have to do. All these things are partnerships. So having a look around at your, say, inner circle, who's not performing the way you think they could perform, also who is not meeting your expectations and who might need your leadership because generally it's not their problem if they're unsure of what you're looking for. And that's part of leadership rather than just partnership. But understanding that people's styles differ and there's no right or wrong. But for us personally, Lana, I mean, we've made this, um, it's not a mistake because it's just didn't serve us as much as it could being different. But for the first decade, we were way too um, integrated into our employees' lives personally. Yes, we were highly. Yeah, and it's not, that doesn't serve them and it doesn't serve us even though at the time it feels good. Yeah and this comes back to this, the start. I was 23 or something and hiring friends. You were hiring being the same age. Yeah and that, that fed through. Of course you're going to hang out when you're 27 with your 27-year-old employees. That's what, you, that's what you do. It's not necessarily right and it is something that you have to separate business self from personal self. Absolutely. But looking into it, your hiring policies, like the first couple of people that you hired were friends. So you were doing everything you could to look after your friends in those roles. Where I saw it as the team grew and it grew significantly rather quickly, where the first few hires coming in, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular, it's just the general feel, if there was a gratitude of, hey, you really invested in my personal growth and those kind of things. As the team grew, there was almost an expectation and it was taken for granted that you would and it wasn't a, hey, you've done – like you're doing an amazing thing for me um, and you see that just there was almost an entitlement that sat there that they didn't realise how much you were actually giving at that time 
And it was a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more that you do it, like you would give everyone as many opportunities both in business and outside that you could. But then it almost seemed like it wasn't enough. Or it becomes the norm. Yeah. And so everyone, you know, it's like giving people regular bonuses and then the bonus becomes part of their wage because they just expect it. And you forget it was once upon a time a bonus for a reason. That's why a lot of the time bonuses don't work at all. So it's right, Nigel, and I I guess it's a learning around what do you need out of the people working for you and how do I provide an environment where they can flourish? And that's if we get that right, generally it's pretty easy. The issue is that, and I think Lana and I could probably um, talk about this for hours and hours, We uh, maybe I should say I – I'm probably pushed Lana into it. I had a philosophy that we needed to make sure that everyone that came into our company left better or changed their life in some way. So we used to spend hours and hours and hours weekly working on just personal development yeah. for them. <laughs> and for anyone who runs a half decent business, if even look at 15 people three hours a week, that's 45 hours of lost productive time let alone normal work where you lose productive time. So you literally, if now just imagine taking out one and a half days of revenue generation of your business and just cut it, what what would the business look like? So it's a huge investment, let alone the preparation to do that and the follow-ups. So we, yeah, I did do the equation once upon a time. There was hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost investment from us, even though people say it was just time. No, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. So is that the responsibility of the company? And some companies, yes. And if, you've, if you're running a company go, listen, all I want to do is have a few employees. I want them to be ultra happy. You might be able to set up what you want. And there's also some big um, companies that have been managed to, to still integrate this. For us at the time, I don't believe we had the management maturity or understood business well enough to understand the real impact nor manage the expectations of people to they took that as a right and not understanding their true responsibilities. So who would say no to working on your personal goals in business hours to make sure that you have a better life? Mm. No one. (laughs) But at what point does what is your responsibility if you're part of that to deliver what and the expectations around that? So I don't think we got the balance quite right. Not that I would change it because it's thinking back. There were also some really cool times um, in our career where we were building company that was growing and to be fair, the byproduct of that was it was a very fun environment. I look back at it with very rose-coloured glasses and enjoyment during those times. They were really – we had a great team and great people and it's nothing against anyone that was in there. We were trying to provide something but really we didn't quite get the balance right. And this definitely comes back to you and me as leaders. We weren't mature enough then. No. Absolutely. And to Nigel's point, um, yes, there was entitlement there but that comes back to my inability to communicate um, that it wasn't – it wasn't the norm. We made it feel like the norm because we didn't ever want people to feel like they owed us. Yep. They were there by choice, not because we were special. And you guys would also come from a place where if somebody did something like that for you, you would automatically make go, where do I need to step up to actually not repay that but to where do I find the balance and deliver for that? But, so that assumption then goes on to the people that you hire as well. But yeah. I, no, I'm gonna, I want to take note there because I this is the thing that I think – is that's where it gets lost is everyone did exactly what they were meant to do 
nor did they or should be thinking I owe or need to do anything up. That's exactly the opposite of what is about. Mm. If you're doing things for your staff, they owe you nothing, nothing. This is where you start looking at as friends. This is not a friendship. I wanted to provide that as a business. I wanted to provide that as a, a, a way to get people in the company and it should not adjust the behavior of anyone in the company. They don't need to feel more gratitude. They don't need to feel anything. That is already you looking at it's passive aggressive um, management style. But I do this for you so you should be working late or you owe me because we provide such a good environment. No, you're doing that because you chose to as a leader and the buck stops with you. No one owes you anything and that's where I take a big uh, differentiation because I think at the time we thought that by doing more it made a better environment or people would like it better. In the end it just became, no, it's normal to take a day off a week to do my personal goals and whatever and if I miss deadlines that's fine. It's not that but it's no one owes anything because as a company you have a policy to do it. Yeah, sorry, I think you might have misheard. I didn't. I wasn't saying that people would owe you. I was saying if Th- their behaviour shouldn't change though, just because you provide a good benefit, because that's then asking for a cost that no one signed up for. Does that make sense? Well, that for me, that's what makes sense from my point of view. And this is where, because I think it's a good point. I think this is where a lot of smaller business owners get it wrong. They think because they're doing something nice that someone owes them, and it's immature business. I wasn't talking about them at all or any sense of owing. So if given an opportunity where somebody – I'll take it out of you guys. I'll put it to myself. If I'm given an opportunity to grow within a business, then I will also at the same time going, it's not that I owe, but I would go, where can I add more rather than going to – But why? That's that's because – but That's just how I'm built. And I look at it different ways. You should always be adding the most you possibly can and that's just the standard. And that's where I guess I differ in uh, the thinking around this is for me it is you come in – when I've worked for people which is to be honest few and far between over the last many years but when I went in there I just wanted to be my best. When I was stacking shelves at a supermarket when I was 15, I wanted to be the fastest, quickest stacking shelf person there. It was always how do I be the best at whatever I'm doing right now and it was like that. So my expectation when someone comes in that you should be performing at your very best because that's who you are, not why you're remunerated. So you're both saying the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. All you're saying, Tim, is that you and I created an environment that allowed people to be their best. What Nigel's saying is that we hired the people who would come in, see what we were giving them in that environment that allowed them to be their best. Mm. I don't know about that. Oh, okay. No, but but yes, we are saying the same thing because we're all on the same um, page. But this is the whole point of – with Nigel's point and, and, and my point is if you're a business owner, if you're thinking that your actions uh, – so I'm doing this so I should get more out of people, you're the problem because it's not that. All you should be doing is providing an environment – where people come in to work their hardest and if they're not those type of people, they're probably the wrong hire. And we found that out quite quickly. Some people didn't last a few weeks because the environment was to what I would deem high performance for them, which is you just keep performing, as Nigel says, again and again and again. You keep getting more. I think where we failed as partners and as leaders is we didn't cap that expectation. Yeah. Is that we said, well, this is what we're doing and then once that became the norm... It was, well, what else are you doing? How else are we yeah. operating in that environment together? 
which yeah, it became the expectation, and the expectation was ridiculous <laughs> because because no one understands the economics of it, and they don't realise the real investment in that, which is where we didn't communicate that even to ourselves that that was silly. That should have been something not weekly, not daily. You know, we, we did things like every single day we closed the office for 45 minutes so everyone could meditate. God, it used to shit me. <laughs> so, I'd be sitting there going, I want to work. And to be honest with you, my, my view back on all of that is that we had some of the most glorious individuals and we set them up on a path that they might not have gotten onto. Oh, absolutely. The investment, um, there is absolutely no regrets. Even thinking back, as I said, that was a really great time in personally in the career and it was great to be around those people and it was great to be able to just do those things regardless of the financial gain, loss, whatever it was. But it was a really good time. We had a really good team and we had a, a lot of fun um, building a smaller company up. But it was um, – it. it it does cap at a point. If if we did it again, we could do it again well, but we'd have to manage the expectation different and the the rights versus responsibilities discussion, which I think what Nigel was t- touching on before, is really understanding that that's not a norm, no. and nor do we expect anything different. But it's not a norm, and it's something that can also be stopped if not valued in the way of. But the rest of the time, our expectation is this high performance, as, as Lana said. It's a good one though. I mean this is a, a common thing I think with a lot of SMEs is trying to um, be loved by their employees but the reality is you need to provide a business that is great to work for but if great to work for is because you've got a pinball machine, a table tennis table and you do pizza Fridays, well that's a um, superficial thing that's never going to last in the long run in terms of retaining people. People have to love working there because they believe in what they're building and they want to do that and the rest of it's just nice to haves but the core reason they're there is because of the fulfilment they're getting out of the role. Yeah, 100% couldn't, couldn't agree more because I've experienced it. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Great to see you. Um, and uh, Nige, Lana, do it all again next week. Yeah, yeah. See you, team. Bye.